Now, I'm glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a great crowd we have this morning. And as Kevin said, we are celebrating, of course, this season is Christmas. And it is a powerful time to remember who Jesus is. Remember what our, our vision, not our vision statement, our I believe statement a few weeks ago said. I believe in Jesus, prophetically predicted, virgin born, pure living, vicarious dying, bodily resurrected, gloriously ascended, presently interceding, soon to return, Son of God. And that little statement, it's on paper like out in the hall, you can, in the foyer you can get it, memorize it please. Because that's what Christmas is all about. It really truly is. I know Christmas has changed dramatically since the early days. I read, maybe it was last week, I read about Phillips Brooks who was, uh, wrote one of the great hymns and he was so excited because he had been able to spend Christmas in Bethlehem and had gone to worship there at the Church of the Nativity, which is, of course, uh, a massive old, old church there. Uh, it's jointly run by Roman Catholics, Orthodox, and um, an Armenian group there in Bethlehem. Well, I've been there many times. It's exciting. And you, but you know Christmas and the celebration of Christmas has changed so dramatically over these years. And it's sad in some ways to see how it has changed. In fact, the sadness of how it's changed is encapsulated in a parody that I'm fixing to read to you. Listen to this. And there were in the same country children keeping watch over their stockings by the fireplace. And lo, Santa Claus came upon them, and they were so afraid. And Santa said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people who can afford them. For unto you will be given great feasts of turkey, dressing in cake and many presents, and this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the present wrapped in bright paper, lying beneath the tree, adorned with tinsel, colored balls and lights. And suddenly there will be with you a multitude of relatives and friends, praising you and saying, thank you so much, it's just what I wanted. And you know they're lying. And it shall come to pass as the friends and relatives have gone into their own homes. The parents shall say one to another, what a mess to clean up. I'm tired. Let's go to bed. We'll get it tomorrow. Thank goodness Christmas comes only once a year. And they go with haste to their cold bed and find their desired rest. Well, that's a sad parody on what Christmas has become. It's not supposed to be that. That's not supposed to be the entirety or even the majority of what it is all about. What was it like in that first century? Let's just understand a little context first of all. One writer says the people of that day were heavily taxed and they were facing yet another sharp increase to support the military buildup. The threat of world domination was ever present with the Roman government in charge. 
moral deterioration at the upper levels of society had begun. It was rampant, but it had begun to make its way into the broad-based populace. Nationalistic feelings, particularly in Israel, were conflicting with the imperialistic domination of people like the Romans. Conformity was the spirit of the day. Government handouts were being used to placate the populace. Interest rates were high. It was a time of severe inflation. External religious observances were used by the leaders to put on a good show. And they used sports, an abnormal emphasis upon sports, sounds a little bit like the 21st century, to placate the populace. Racial tensions were at an all-time high. Well, that's the way it was. And in such a time as that, a child was born. A child was born to a migrant couple who would soon become political exiles. And to them was born a child named Emmanuel, about whom we have sung even this morning. Emmanuel. Well, you may not understand Hebrew, but what does it mean? It means with us is El. E-L, one of the great Hebrew words for God. God with us is born to this migrant couple, this couple who was soon to have to go all the way to Egypt to get away for the sake of the baby boy. And so that's what changed the world. That's what brought hope and brings hope to us even today. So turn with me to one of my favorite Christmas passages. And we're going to take a little break from the book of John. And we'll come back to it in a couple of weeks, I promise. But look with me to one of the most often read and perhaps overlooked passages in the scripture. Matthew chapter 1 beginning with verse 21. We're only going to read three verses this morning. But they are powerful. Matthew 1 beginning with verse 21. And it's on the screen, and it's in front of you. If, and you have a smartphone, you can find it on there. But it says, she shall give birth to a son. Who is she? Virgin Mary, of course. She shall give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And what did the prophet Isaiah say? See, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they will give him the name Emmanuel. Translated, God is with us. And I will literally say, with us is God. How do you expect God to save you? Well, Matthew proclaimed that his name is Emmanuel, and he is God with us. In fact, the name, the first name given to him, Jesus, means he will save us. It is the cognate of the Old Testament, Joshua, or as it's called by modern Christian Hebrews today, Yeshua. And it means Yahweh, Jehovah, will save. So Matthew powerfully proclaims the way God will help us and save us is through his presence. And we'll come back to that in a moment. 
the Jewish religious establishment at the time looked for other ways of salvation. First of all, they hoped that maybe this new Messiah would be a military conqueror. They hoped that he would be a military liberator. That's really the first way that they looked for this salvation to take place. Maybe he will break the Roman yoke and the Jews will be in charge and we will be in charge of everybody and we'll be liberated. They had lived with a brief respite under some foreign domination for centuries. That brief respite came, a time of Jewish independence, right before Rome. And again, uh, in many Bibles, you might find the book of Maccabees. It tells of that time of Jewish independence. It's not in our Bible, but it, you, it tells of the time of Jewish independence between Malachi and Matthew. Fascinating. But the Jews wanted a military liberator, someone that would set them free, or at least someone who would give them economic prosperity, someone who would bring great money and, and help and blessing to all the people of Israel. So they hoped not only for a, a military liberator, but also for an economic liberator. And then third, mainly just peace. Maybe from a lack of war, a lack of oppression economically, they could have peace in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But the Bible tells us in Matthew that presence is the way of God's salvation. That God with us is the way we're going to get the help that we need. That alone is the way that we're going to experience what God wants us to have now and always. We'll never walk along because of His presence and that presence is ultimately and uniquely fulfilled in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we find this? What is, uh, how does he help us with his presence? Well, first of all, our first main point is simply this. God's presence establishes communication. Establishes communication between God and humanity. Now, I have said to you before as we've studied the Bible, uh, that the Bible is broken in two parts. Now, you're going to say Old Testament, New Testament. Okay, well, you'd kind of be right, but I look at it a different way. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis are the first part, and the latter part of 3 to the end of Revelation is the second part. Why do I say that? Because in the beginning, it tells of how God wanted it to be, and then we messed it up. And from Genesis 3 to the end of Revelation is about what God did to help us. It's all about what he did to help us. And he established communication between us and him. Well, I think all of us would agree that he loves us. I think all of us would say God is love. We would agree with John in his epistle that he is love. We experience it. We felt it. We know it's true. But how did they experience it when a, without Christ? You see, some people would say a God who is just a deity out there is hard to picture, hard to love, hard to relate to. Don't we need a kind of a, of a God who is more personal? Don't we need a God who has a face? Don't we need a God who, like us, struggles with temptation and hunger and sin and, and struggles with the temptations that come to sin? Don't we need a God who understands us? Well, friends, the baby that was born in Bethlehem 
became a bridge of communication. It was God's way of saying, I understand. I'm going to send my son to live among you. And even though he did not sin, he understood the temptation of sin. He understood hunger and thirst. He understood being tired. He understood frustration. He understood everything. In fact, the Bible says he was tempted in every way like we, yet without sin. So how is God with us? He establishes communication between divinity and humanity. He establishes this link, this bridge, so that we, we can experience divinity. So second, I would say to you this morning that God's presence also gives meaning to human existence. Now what do I mean by that? Wouldn't you agree with me that life is not fair? Now, how many times have you said that in the last week? You've heard it from your children. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. But we say it as adults and we mean it. Life is not fair. Things happen that are just not right. Dale and I went to a Sunday school class party. Um, when was that, honey? Friday night. Thank you very much. She can't say it loud. She's struggling with her voice. But she said, Friday went to a Sunday school class we were members at First Baptist Greer we love the people there wonderful people and oh my goodness something happened just wasn't right just wasn't right so we're doing this this gift exchange you know where everybody gets a silly gift and you fight over it you know and you go take the best gift and and I never get the best gift. And if I did, it gets taken away from me. But you know what, what the Sunday school teacher showed? He, he, his, his, he opened up a present. It was a picture of me from 1973. I mean, it was awful. I looked at it, and I just my, my jaw just dropped open. I had this mustache that went all the way down here. I had this long, greasy, dark hair. These, oh my goodness, it was awful. It was awful. I just looked at it. I was just shocked. Of course, everybody laughed and laughed and laughed. It just wasn't right. Don't you agree with me? There are things that happen just not right. Just not right. Now, on a more serious note, we know it gets far worse than someone showing a terrible picture of the way you looked 40 years ago. I mean, I was barely a t teenager then. I, okay, maybe a little older than that. But, okay, we know life is not fair. We know sickness comes. That dreaded C word is mentioned by a doctor. Heart disease affects so many people. We know people suffer. Mass shootings across our nation have taken our attention as we see cowards, cowards, afflict pain upon innocent human beings, sometimes children. Sometimes children. You just can't imagine the terrible things that are going on all around us. Things are not fair. They're not right. Six million Jews died in the Holocaust in World War II. People's children die. Babies die. Oh, it's just some terrible things. And why do I mention sad, sad things like that even at Christmas time? Because they're the reason Jesus came. You see, his coming gives meaning to life. One writer said, and I like it, Jesus took the best shot that Satan could offer. He declared, life is worth living. 
Dorothy Sayers, a great writer, I like what she said. Listen carefully to this. She said, for whatever, now listen, are you listening? For whatever reason, God chose to make man as he is. You'll have to ask about that later. Limited, suffering, subject to sorrow and death. For whatever reason, he chose to make man as he is. He had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He gave up his only son, Emmanuel. With us is God. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph talking to little Jesus as he was growing up? Oh, son. Son, you, you don't know what you're going to go through. Now, Mama was told a little bit about it by an angel. But do you know what you're going to go through? Do you know what's going to happen to you? And they told him probably a little more and a little more as he got older and older. But those dear parents knew, especially Mary, because the Bible says she pondered these things in her heart. My boy's going to die. My boy's going to die. People are going to mistreat him. They're going to do terrible things to him. And he's going to die. Why did he have to die? He died for you and me. You see, God's presence gives meaning. That he cares for us that much. And last, it's so important. God's presence provides what? Redemption. What does the Bible say? Jesus, his name will be called Jesus because he will do what? He will save the people from their sins. Jesus becomes a map to find one's way to ultimate reality. Yes, he models us. But he's not just a distant savior. You see, the good news not only had to be heralded, but it had to be brought. So Jesus not only proclaims the good news, he is the good news. What more could we ask for? Put that up on the screen, Brother Kirk. I want you to say it out loud with me. What more could we ask for? We have intimate communication. Meaning in life. Number three, salvation and redemption. That's why I said to you, I believe in Jesus. He is prophetically predicted. He is virgin born. He is pure living. He is vicarious dying. He is, and that means for you and me, he is bodily resurrected, gloriously ascended. He is presently interceding and he is the soon to return Son of God. He provides a basis of communication between us and the Lord. He gives meaning in this life where there is no meaning. And he provides salvation and redemption. Would you pray with me? Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this precious word. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, speak to us as we respond to you. That we might be people who would say yes to what Christ means, even at Christmas time. God, you've done so much for us. And we thank you for all that you've done. And now, Father, as we give our hearts to you, I pray, God, we'd do it with total submission. We pray for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.